Hello there, my name is Joy Dixon and welcome to the Joyfully Black Podcast, where we have candid conversations with black women on nourishing their mental well-being while balancing a career, family life, and community care. Today's guest thought she was going to have a career in numbers. However, she shifted to the world of management, brand building, and marketing leadership. You've seen her work with brands like CoverGirl and partnering with some of our faves like Queen Latifah and Janelle Monet. Also, this Chicago native has been recognized time and time again with awards including um, the Ebony Power 100 list and Cosmetics Executive Women Achievers Award. Today, we are so thrilled to have the Chief Operating Officer and Executive Vice President for Beauty and Personal Care of Unilever North America. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have AC Eggleston Bracey. Thank you so much and welcome to Joyfully Black, AC. Thank you for having me. Yes. So I always like to level set with the audience, right? And many folks probably have already heard um, heard of you and followed your work over the years, um, but would really love for you to share a little bit about what inspired you to pivot from a numbers-based career, because I, I read that you know your dad um, was involved in mathematics, to you literally being a global leader in the beauty industry. Yeah, you never know what life has in store for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I always liked numbers. Um, my father was a math teacher. He's now a retired math teacher. My mother was an attorney. Mm-hmm. And I'd watch all the books that she would study. She actually finished law school uh, after she had us, myself and my younger brother. So I got a chance to watch her study for the bar. Mm-hmm. And that just wasn't for me. I could not get enough of problem solving and math problems. I'd ask in high school, my friends, if they had math homework, I could do for them because oh, I wow. just loved it. But at the same time, I always liked people. Uh, early on, I was always curious about people. I actually studied astrology. Mm-hmm. And while in college, I studied engineering sciences because I thought it was a practical way to use math. Sure. I really enjoyed my psychology courses and my anthropology courses. And so when it was time to graduate from university, I went through a corporate recruiting process just because I realized after four years of school and internships Mm -hmm. that engineering wasn't for me. I also liked the community work that I did on campus. I was president of my sorority and I did a lot in the Black Student Union. Mm -hmm. You know, I founded some clubs and things like that. And I went into corporate recruiting and then I discovered this thing called brand management. And they were saying, you know, you get to discover what makes people tick and you get to problem solve and you get to work with teams. I thought, oh my God, that's exactly what I like to do. And it was mm-hmm. funny when I did corporate recruiting, the brand management session, I went to by accident. Wow. It, it's just by accident. And I was like, wow, that's what I want to do. The problem was the place they were recruiting at my university was not a town I thought I wanted to live in, oh, but really? it exposed me to the idea of brand management. And I thought, well, let me give it a try while I take a break and figure out what I want to do when I grow up. Mm-hmm. So that that's essentially how I made the pivot. So I researched brand management and because I'm from Chicago originally, and I'm such a big city person, I had LA, New York, or Chicago where I wanted to work. I looked for a place that I could do brand management, but in one of those cities. And I found a place that uh, took undergrads and did it in Chicago. But the uh, session I went to that exposed me to brand management, I thought I'll continue to pursue that just for practice. Okay. And to make a long story short, I ended up 
not getting the job in brand management in Chicago after pursuing that, but ended up getting this other job. And I thought, all right, I guess that's where I'm supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was in undergrad, I didn't know a lot. And it turned out the place I got the job was a much better company, a much better opportunity. So it just worked out. So that's how I moved from the numbers game into what I am now as an executive business leader. But it was through brand management and just listening mm-hmm. to what I like to do and having the opportunity to find a place that I could bring all those together. And I thought it was just a stopgap until right. I'd go on to do something else. I thought I was going to do an MD, PhD in biomedical engineering, uh-huh. um, that I would take a break. And I discovered it was right for me. Wow, that's really serendipitous. But you ended up right where you needed to be, where, where it sounds like, I mean, you clearly had an affinity for numbers and thought you were going to go down that career path, but you had this other skill set where you're still able to really operate in that zone of genius as well. Yeah, I just think my belief is life reveals the plan. Mm. You think you have a plan, it's good to have a plan, but you have to listen to yourself. Like, why is it that I like vanilla and you like chocolate? Sure. There's not a lot of rhyme or reason, but there's some reason that's telling you something. I really believe your passion is a gift from God to help you figure out your purpose. And in this case, the fact that I liked math and I liked people, I liked uh, working with people, and that I serendipitously went into this information session Uh through corporate recruiting was showing me that step of my path. And I've had, you know, dozens of times that's happened where I've listened to myself and then follow the opportunities that present themselves to have it reveal what I should be doing. Yeah. And, you know, um, AC, I'm so glad that you mentioned about following the opportunities that reveal themselves, because I'm I'm thinking, you know, with this, you know, being a, as you're a city person, I'm a city girl, although I don't know how, how Tampa compares to Chicago. <laughs> but um, as a global leader, you've had opportunities to work overseas. We're based here in the United States for any of our international audiences. Um, so you've been able to um, go over and work in Geneva, Switzerland, which actually that's one of my favorite cities because it's so clean. Um, but I, you know, I'm so curious to know, like when you had to move overseas for for different opportunities and roles, was that something that was a challenge? Did you just embrace that readily? How was that? Was there a cultural shift that you had to really just kind of have to brace your loins for as you as you made these these moves in your in your career and even in your personal life? I think that you asking me about um, the eight years that I spent in Switzerland and what was it like going yeah. to Switzerland sure. is an example of what we were just talking about. Opportunities present themselves. Mm-hmm. So um, I had the opportunity. And I was nervous about it because I never thought I wanted to live outside of the U.S. And it's largely because I'm from the U.S. And when you live in the U.S., you think that's the world. Sure. And I thought, why would I want to be away from friends and family and Mm -hmm. kind of on my own out of the country and not have a support system? Right. And my husband was at, uh, at the time, he said, AC, I think this would be good for your career and we should go. Um before our kids get older, where it's difficult to go. And he was really encouraging. And I thought, you know, I I was still very nervous about it. And I thought, why not? We'll give it a try. If it doesn't work, 
I can always, it, it's not permanent. It could right. be temporary. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in my career plan, so we started talking about what would be next. In my career plan, I highlighted where internationally would make sense to go. Mm. And then the opportunity presented itself. And I remember the, the thing that happened, what happens in life, before I went to Geneva, I had my daughter, Anura, who was three. Mm. And just as I was getting ready to go to Geneva, I discovered I was pregnant with number two. Wow. And so my son's name is Benoit. He's my second. And I was extremely nervous. You were asking about culture shifts. I thought, what am I going to do? I'm going to leave the U.S. I'm pregnant. I have to go into this job. I'm going to have to take a maternity leave Mm -hmm. to find a doctor. I have to take care of my three-year-old. I'm starting a new job. So was really somewhat overwhelmed, anticipating all these changes in my life. You know, my husband, who's a lawyer, um, you know, working through a transition, did not have the opportunity to work in Geneva. So I was really quite anxious about it. But still, like we do as Black women, you know, smiling, putting on the armor and putting one foot in front of the other. But inside, you know, I just remember being really stressed. I remember announcing to my parents that I was expecting number two, mm-hmm. and that I was going to move to Geneva. And I remember feeling like I was holding back tears oh, because mm-hmm. I was so like, how am I going to do this? And my first, my daughter, Anura, mm-hmm. um, her first year, she was, you know, colicked and, and, and she was a difficult child. Mm-hmm. So I thought, how am I going to manage to and do all of this? So right. you asked, what was it like? Um, it, and people would say, oh, you're so lucky. You're going to Geneva, an international assignment. And I'd smile and say, sure, great. Right. And thinking, oh, my God, I need this. Like I need a hole in my head. I know uh, I said I would do it, but who knew this would be the situation? Right, exactly. And I just jumped into it and it was amazing. It's one of the best things that experiences I've ever had. You know, moving to Geneva, one, the experience of having my son there was amazing. The, the whole experience of having a child there is so different than the U.S. It's not invasive, the level of care that they give you. You get a sonogram with every visit. The sonogram was in the doctor's office. It wasn't in this other place you had to go to get the sonogram. We're very holistic and healthy, Mm -hmm. and I'm very holistically oriented. Mm -hmm. It's just incredible. And just the experience of seeing your culture from the outside to evaluate your culture and see another way was absolutely incredible. And then exposure to so many different kinds of people and culture. Mm -hmm. And I actually interestingly, got to experience for a minute what white privilege is like. Really? Can you talk a little about that? When you're American and you're outside of the U.S., Mm -hmm. even though you're Black American, they see you as American. And some Africans will even call you white Mm. because they think that's synonymous with America. And I'm a proud Black woman. So I don't say this to say I aspire to be anything different, but it was interesting to see what privilege is granted, what white privilege looks like. Mm -hmm. And to say, ah, that's what it's like. And then to come back to America and have that disappear, Mm -hmm. but to be able to experience that. And then to have my children, my son was born there. And again, because we had the pleasure of being there for eight years, Mm -hmm. 
he was raised there. And my three-year-old daughter was there until she was 11. And the view they have, who they are in the world was much more exposed than I was growing up. And they have a sense for what it means to be black or a person of color in the world. Yes. If I look and and an international citizen mm-hmm. as opposed to being defined based on their circumstances in America. So it was incredible. The other thing that was amazing was the business experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, while I'd worked globally in jobs in the U.S., there's nothing like working globally and living outside of the U.S. and understanding how to grow your cultural intelligence Mm. and the ability to travel, the access to travel just based on different views of work and life, how much vacation you get. Mm -hmm. So I traveled through work, lots of places around the world, but personally with my family, so many places I was able to experience. So it was really a blessing and a gift. Oh, that's beautiful to hear, especially, I mean, it's under, it was, as I was listening to your journey from, you know, finding out you're able to have this opportunity in Geneva and still having some trepidation because of you, you know, mother of a small child and then learning you're expecting as well. Um, I think there's a lot of women who are mothers or mother figures who can, who can relate to having to try to figure out how am I going to juggle all of these, all of these things and start a new job. And yeah, it, it just seems very daunting when you were away from your like family support system, your, maybe your village that you had in the States. How, how did you make sure that you stayed whole during that time period? Um, there are a few things I would say. One is I created a new village. Mm because we need a village. There's no way we can do this on our own. Mm-hmm. So created a new village and you network and you find out who's, who do you know that's in Geneva that knows someone and right. knows someone and you mm-hmm. create your own village. And so we created a village. The other thing in terms of staying whole, some years ago before going to Geneva, 15 or 20 years ago now, I went through this introspection to figure out What are the things that bring me joy and give Mm -hmm. me energy? You know, your namesake for this podcast, what brings me joy? Mm -hmm. And I got really clear on that. And I create, I have created what I call energy domains. You can think about those as joy domains. And I have six of them. They've evolved over, over time as I reflect. And again, as I've had kids, but the first one is something called passion power. Mm-hmm. And what I love is making a difference or driving a result in areas that I'm passionate about. My job is passion power, getting to lead beauty and personal care businesses, you know, working in makeup for many years and having an impact on people and driving business and having success is a part of passion power. I have another called Ula La which are sensational, fun experiences. I love shoes and great food. Sometimes a great run can be ooh-la-la. It's like Mm -hmm. ooh-la-la. And I have a range. The other is uh, a more and a door, which are close, connected relationships with um, people that I love. They can be friends or family. So I have a broad network, but I really value the close, connected ones. When the kids came, I added Smile High. Uh Because I wanted the kids to be confident in their own skin. Um, 
and then I have what I call now heart, soul, and whole. So you asked about how do you feel whole, mm-hmm. which is around peace and reflection. Then I have another called impact and legacy, which is about really making a difference, but making a difference for generations. And what I learned is when I'm doing any of those things, I'm getting energy. So yes. it keeps me whole and it gives me energy to do more, to be more. It's not just about doing. And when I'm feeling off, I look at those domains and one of those is off. So in Smile High, it's, you know, my daughter, Anura, when we were in Switzerland, she had a lisp. Mm. And um, over time, how that was getting in the way and finding someone to help her with that lisp in a French speaking country, you know, that was important to me to smile high, to find time as mommy outside of work, to invest in her and go through those sessions with her. Mm -hmm. There were four times a week in the afternoon, the break from work to do that. For me, that smile high. Mm -hmm. And then seeing the reward when she conquered the lisp to relearn how to swallow. So um, that's how I stayed whole, cultivating those energy domains with my actions mm-hmm. and create recreating a village so that I had the support that I needed, even though it wasn't always family, although I did fly my family up or, mm-hmm. you know, to help um, stay connected there. I'm really appreciative that you shared your six Um, energy domains. And that's actually a common theme that I see with a lot of women in general, but particularly Black women who are putting more emphasis on making sure that while they're caring for other people and building um, a career, that they're making sure that they're putting the oxygen mask on themselves first. And I I really like that framework that you built out for yourself. Um, Because I know some people call it core values and some people have their guiding principles. So that's certainly a theme that I I am seeing when I uh, talk to other or some of our other guests, as well as when I'm even facilitating uh, leadership um, leadership groups. So yeah, go ahead. You know, I would just like to say, I the need for self care is so real, mm-hmm. and it's a challenge, and it's something I work on all the time mm-hmm. because despite having my energy domains. I still don't consistently put the oxygen mask on myself first. Mm. And I think that's something we are enculturated to do as women and as black women mm-hmm. is take care of others. Yes. So I still try to make more space and listen to my needs. So I have those domains. Passion power is work, right? I find time to work out. Mm-hmm. try to do all those. But if I'm faced with doing something for someone else or doing something for myself, my default is to do something for someone else first. So I have to force myself as a system to make sure over the long haul mm-hmm. that I'm not completely neglecting the things that really matter because it's so easy to sacrifice yourself, not out of being a martyr, but sure. just out of what needs to be done. Exactly. And you're there and able to do it and so much <laughs> and the deep care that we have, you know, for the people on our team, for our family, for our mm-hmm. children, for our community. And there's only so much time. So and a lot of that is fulfilling for us. Yes. You know, when I talked about my domains, you know, there is still a big component that is outwardly focused on other people. It is. Yeah, no, it's, it certainly is. And I'm really glad we're talking about the challenge and even you sort of 
being you know, self-aware and knowing that that's still something that you're working on because you do value your community and making sure the people around you are okay because it is an ecosystem, right? We're part of our village's ecosystem and um, wanting to make sure the other folks in our community are are doing well and thriving. Um, and I I want to know as you're as you're kind of working on it, what what has made you more aware? that you need to make sure that you're not just gritting your teeth and focusing on the work or gritting your teeth and saying, this person really needs me to do this. I'm going to show up because that's just what I do. How, how are you starting to make sure you show up for yourself in that way? You know, it's a journey. I think, you know, I mentioned when I was younger, I was into astrology and then yes. I was into anthropology and sociology and psychology. So I've been reading and doing personal development for decades. Mm -hmm. And at every step, there's a new level of awareness. You know, I talked about how I developed my energy domains. That was out of personal development and reflecting on the things that made me happy, Mm -hmm. but I got energy from. So in this awareness of what's next and where do I go from here? I'm very reflective of what are the things that I do that are limiting what I aspire to do. And I reflect on the need to nurture myself Mm -hmm. so that I can take risk, have courage to step out and do what it is I want to do next. And when I say want to do next, it's not a job or a career per se. It's Mm -hmm. just what do I do that's not out of obligation, but continue to be driven from purpose Mm -hmm. and intentionality. Now, I was reading recently Tina Lifford's book, which is Little Book of Big Lies. It's excellent. And she has this concept of what lives within us are three selves, the surviving self, the thriving self, and the infinite self. And then I reflected a lot of the success and accomplishments I've had have been from the surviving self, you know, getting my degree, getting out of college, getting promoted, you know, uh, moving to Geneva, taking care of the kids. It's out of survival. In a, it's, but it's, it's been accomplishments, been positive, but then there's another, but that's out of thriving, which is a reflecting mm-hmm. on the things that also make me happy and choosing a career that I enjoy where I can make an impact. Mm-hmm. That's that those are two levels of self. The infinite self is the idea of not being, not doing, but actually being, and it's just being at peace with how things are. Yeah. It is the spiritual self. It's the fully the whole self. And the ability to move from surviving, thriving, and the infinite self. It's like what I'm aspiring to do next. Right. It's like I've moved in points past the survival. I remember my aha moment when I was just, you know, on the treadmill, go, 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 go. Yeah. Like, ah, and that was the time when I reflected on my energy domains and did some introspection. Then I've been on this thriving, but still impact. And now I'm in this space again of, What is just being like so that I can sleep, you know, seven hours a day Mm -hmm. I can just be still and not just do Mm -hmm. right. And I can just go with listening to what the universe has in store for me and moving competently toward that instead of what's next in the job, what's next for my kids, what's next. 
Is that, does that make sense? No, it absolutely makes sense. And I'm, and I'm going to drop that book link in the, in the show notes so other people can check it out. And I'm going to add it to my own book list because I often say I'm a, a personal development junkie. I just, the self-help section, I'm like, yes, what else do I need to improve on? Growth is a, is a journey. So it's always something to improve. And I'm, I'm really glad you expounded upon that um, in explaining those, those three selves because so many of us operate in survival mode, even though we get positive results. But I think, as you mentioned, sitting down and just being and who are you if you're not doing? And asking yourself, and I can even say that's a conversation I had to internally have with myself within this past year. Like, who am I if I'm not doing, am I still worthy? And there may be other women who ask themselves the same things. Yeah, I'm a doing machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I took a sabbatical before moving into my current role. I, um, I joined Unilever in 2018. And prior to that, I spent 25 years and retired from Procter and Gamble, and then a few years at Cody. And in between Cody as a beauty company and Unilever, I took a sabbatical, which was phenomenal. Oh. But in taking that sabbatical and choosing that, you know, everyone thought, "Where are you going to work next when you leave this role?" And I thought, "I'm not. I'm taking a sabbatical. I want time to reacclimate with my children because I traveled 75 percent of the time, mm-hmm. wake up in places all over the world from yeah. Dubai or." Tokyo or where I was. And when I took that sabbatical, which was meant to be a respite, I was afraid that I wasn't going to be productive during that time. So I created goals for myself. And one of them was, oh, I'm moving to New York. I'm going to run the marathon. So that gave me something to do, which is to try. And then I picked three other things that I was going to do for my kids. And it's like doing, 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 doing. You know, why is that? Why do I feel defined by what I do? Mm-hmm. I can always find something to do. So what I'm trying to do is manage the doing mm-hmm. and be more comfortable and be comfortable being yes. at peace with that so that I can listen to what's next, which even sounds like a doing, but just be at calm with that. Like nothing is wrong. There's nothing to fix. There's no fear. And the concept that I really liked in her book was that all three of those selves exist. Mm-hmm. You don't make the surviving self wrong. I've gotten a lot out of learning to survive. Yes, It serves me well, that strong suit. Thriving has brought some joy. So I'm not so fearful, mm-hmm. but I'm still, you know, I, I, there's still the opportunity for, for, for the peace. So it's okay. All those things. It's okay. I'm good. Right. It is. It is. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm really glad you touched upon that. And um, you also mentioned um, movement building. And something that I am just thrilled about is, um, is just your impact in really being a driving force behind Dove's Crown Coalition. And for folks who may not be aware, Crown Creating and Respect and respectful and open world for natural hair, which helps to foster beauty inclusivity and to eradicate hair discrimination through supporting the Crown Act legislation. I mean, it's pretty outrageous that even in 2021, Black women in particular still experience discrimination due to their hair. Uh, I mean, I I don't know if you can see, I have like little purple in here, but 
prior to like oh it's beautiful I didn't notice your purple it's gorgeous oh, thank you <laughs> but it's funny because I've always worked in very conservative environments and I always was very hesitant to add color and I would I the reason why I finally put it in and didn't care is probably a very silly reason but you know no one you know no one clutched their pearls I just felt like I need purple hair that's what's gonna make me happy so that's what I'm gonna do and so I am just so curious what prompted you and I can imagine but I'd, I'd love to hear it directly from you what prompted you to want to move this push this movement forward there's so much to say about that. Mm. So I would say, I believe beauty is not superficial. Mm -hmm. I believe beauty matters. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by beauty is when you feel good, you look good. And when you yes. look good, you feel good. And when you're feeling good, there's nothing you can't do. Mm -hmm. And when society tells you you're not good, because you look good, because your skin is too dark, your hair is too kinky, mm -hmm. you're you know, your, your, your bum is too round, that that's not our standard of beauty. That hurts mm -hmm. our potential. Exactly. It hurts our brain and what we believe. There's no confidence and we cannot reach our potential. Mm -hmm. So some people think beauty is superficial. It is at the root of confidence. Mm -hmm. Now there are other ways to develop confidence, but the lack of beauty inclusion is a sure way to lose confidence and it hurts our community mm -hmm. is what I believe. What before joining Unilever, I saw the impact of introducing more inclusive beauty images to all women, really introducing Queen Latifah yes. back in, you know, back in 2000, so many women, not even all black and brown women were like, hail to the queen. Right. Finally, not a skinny model representing yes. a cosmetics company. Mm -hmm. So that's more commonplace today. But back then it wasn't. And I saw the difference that it made because CoverGirl, when I joined the brand, was not a brand I could relate to. Mm. It was for blonde hair and blue eyes. Yeah. And I thought there's an opportunity to make this change. And I saw the impact of that, of doing that again and again and again. So then when I had the pleasure of joining Unilever and the amazing Dove brand, mm -hmm. one of the reasons I joined Unilever, Dove's mission is about beauty inclusivity. Yes. It's all about championing for real beauty. And my view was there's so much work to be done to champion for real beauty. And looking at what does beauty inclusivity mean for Black women, mm -hmm. there's so many issues of where our beauty is not accepted because of these narrow beauty standards. And I just shared why I think it matters. Absolutely. When we talk to Black women, in my experience as well, what beauty looks like, it would come back to our hair. Yes. Some issue when we were young, three years old, need to get our hair pressed or permed or someone calling it nappy mm -hmm. or something's wrong. Or, you know, I saw with my daughter wanting to have straight hair. Why is my hair not like all the other girls, a thing with our hair? Right. And then we were seeing all these cases publicized of kids turned away from school, from yeah. Faith Finity, who was a sixth grader in Louisiana, from DeAndre Arnold, who was not allowed to walk or he would be suspended because of the locks that he had in his hair and Faith Finity. She had her just braids on the first day of school because her mother was, you know, oh, it's first day of school and this will be easy and efficient and they're gorgeous and beautiful. And she was all dressed up and they sent her to the principal's office. And Chastity Jones, 
who had her job offer reneged to work in a call center in, in Alabama because they said her hair was too messy. So we were hearing about all these stories and that's not okay. Right. So Dove, which is one of the brands I have the privilege of leading in North America, agreed to champion a change. And when I think about my experience, when I started in corporate America, all I wanted to do was not stand out. Mm-hmm. I had a perm, you know, I wore a little bob, yes. I wore the wrap, I had these little conservative glasses, my mm-hmm. hair was not blonde like it is now, it was <laughs> all I wanted to do. I was young mm-hmm. compared to many, and I was like, I don't want to stand out unless people like already I'm different. So I don't want to look any more different than I have to. Mm -hmm. And I went to a corporate training on diversity and they were talking about women and their plight in corporate America and how younger women couldn't relate to more senior women because they found them more masculine than their male counterparts. And I thought, oh, that's terrible. It shouldn't be that way. And then I thought, oh my God, it's a black woman. I'm doing that. I'm letting everyone think I'm just like them. I got my little perm. Right. And, you know, I was would never bring my real self to work. I had my work self and my outside of work self. Yes. Even though I was always a champion for diversity, I hadn't realized I played a role in bringing myself to help encourage more diversity for others. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I had that aha moment, I grew out my perm. <laughs> took me six weeks. I cut it off and wow. I wore a quarter of an inch afro. Okay, big chat. And when that happened, but I did that not for me. I did a bunch of other stuff too. I bought this red convertible. I did all these things. I, I would talk it. about getting my manicure because I didn't want to pretend. I realized I was pretending. Like mm. conformity was unconscious. I just didn't want to stand out. When it became conscious, I couldn't live with it. Right. So I chose to make another change. So you're asking me about the Crown Act. What had me yes. advocate for the Crown Act? When I went natural, Mm -hmm. it provided more freedom and joy than I could have ever imagined. Mm -hmm. I didn't do it for me, but the benefit that I got, it's like I had more pep to my AC step. (laughs) It was like, ah, and once you do that, you can't hold back. And so I wore this nat, this really short natural. And then I went into twist, worn so many different textured hairstyles uh-huh. over the past. When I went natural, that was 1995. So mm-hmm. however many years that's been now, um, 25 years just, and to realize not everyone had the opportunity to do that. Like, because they're getting expelled from school or turned away from jobs, it's not okay. So back to the story I started with, it matters. Yes. Being free to be who you are and having that embrace makes all the difference. And so with the support of Dove, that's what gave me the confidence and the inspiration and motivation to champion for the end of hair discrimination. And I had the opportunity to speak to a group of black elected officials. They were called Noble, National Organization of Black Elected Officials. And I looked at the group and so many of them had textured hair, Yes, you know, locks or braids or knots, beautiful, beautiful in the audience. And many did not know that it was actually legal to discriminate in the way that I described. And, you know, I said, you know what, we can make this change together. And um, in the audience at that time was former Senator Holly Mitchell from California. She was like, I didn't know about that. And so that was November or December. Mm -hmm. And by February, she had put together a bill that she was going to introduce called the Crown Act. And we concurrently formed the Crown Coalition to support driving awareness of the issue, 
working on legal strategy and a range of other things to help get the Crown Act passed. And as you mentioned, Crown is an acronym that stands for creating a respectful and open world for natural hair. And we got our first Crown Act passed July 3rd, 2019, because of amazing Senator Holly Mitchell. She's now County Supervisor Holly Mitchell um, and Governor Newsom in California. Now we have 13 states that have passed the Crown Act, 30 municipalities. Mm -hmm. And we're just not going to stop until it becomes legislation nationwide. That is that is phenomenal. Because um, when I was reading up about uh, over the the coalition, I thought, oh, how many how many women uh, they? I mean, I think a lot of us heard about the Crown Act passing in California, but a lot of folks don't realize that it's it's still illegal where where they currently live. But they can do something about it. They can be advocates and and share their and share their voice because we're all impacted. Men are impacted if they go to work wearing their textured hairstyles or locks. Women, of course, with, you know, being told that we're wearing unnatural colors or our hair is unkept or what other things that come out of people decide to share out of their mouths at work. Um, So it's really great that Dove has really taken the lead. And of course, you championing it uh, from from the top. That is just so monumental because when I was reading about it, I was like, oh, I need to let some women know, like, hey, let a writing campaign. Let's get this going, ladies. And you can actually go to thecrownact.com mm-hmm. and sign the petition. We have about 317,000 signatures, which is phenomenal. Our goal is to have half a million. When we started, we thought we would do well at having 10,000 signatures. So 317,000 signatures shows wow. how important this is for people. Yes. So if you go sign the petition, you also have the opportunity to send a letter to your legislative official. So there's a link you can click and you can put in your zip code and it'll help you do that letter and identify the local and state and federal legislative official to send the letter to, to encourage the Crown Act to be passed. The other thing I will say, it really is a village. It's Black women that got this done. Mm-hmm. So we had three partners to Dove that were the founding partners, uh, Western Center on Law and Poverty, the National Urban League, and the Color of Change. But we have over 80 organizations from Jack and Jill mm-hmm. to the Black, historically Black um, sororities and fraternities, and just the links and so many. And the Senator Holly Mitchell is a Black woman who championed California, but almost in every state, there's a Black woman that has championed the legislation. So it's used our village to get this done. The agency we work with, Joy Collective, Mm -hmm. is owned by Black women. And we're on a mission to create hair freedom for our community. Yes. Yes. And it's definitely needed. It's it's crazy. In the year of our Lord, 2021, that this is still an issue. It is. And Aja was our legislative strategist Uh who really has made all of this happen. I mean, just helping us figure out because typically, you know, it's not obvious for Mm -hmm. brands to form a coalition and drive legislation. So it's all people where it's people who it's personal to. Absolutely. And it's that that people power. So that is amazing. So I'll definitely link that in the show notes as well. So people can get involved with signing the petition and also sending letters to their uh, legislatures as well. So I know um, there is a few more things that I want to ask you. Um, one is around a quote that I just absolutely love. And this quote is by Jean Bolin. And it states, when you discover something that nourishes your soul and brings you joy, care enough about yourself to make room for it 
in your life. So I know we've talked about, we've, we've kind of danced around this, but would love to know what nourishes your soul so much that you absolutely create space for it. Yeah, first, I believe when exactly as this quote says, when something's important to you, you wedge it in, even though there doesn't seem like space. When you wedge something in, even if it's full, something else is going to flow out. Mm-hmm. And I use those domains as my um, as my guide. And so what's so important to me that I wedge in so important, I would just say my family and my babies, Mm -hmm. you know, my 15 year old and my 11 year old. And it's, I wedge it in, Mm -hmm. you know, my best job is mommy. Mm -hmm. And most mothers say that. Sure. And, you know, I make room for them first on crown day. I was taking my daughter to the airport to fly away to camp. And she said, mommy, why are you there doing this thing for crown day? And I said, why do you think? Because you're taking a big trip by yourself. You're flying alone. And, you know, I want to be here with you. You know, you're my priority and it brings me joy. It's not out of obligation. Mm -hmm. Um, COVID for me with all the horrible things that happened, the loss of loved ones and all the things that we've all experienced, the gift of COVID was being home with the children and the family and my husband Mm -hmm. being able to, pop into their rooms when they're in school and just give them a hug. I mean, that was joy that fills me up. Mm-hmm. So that brings me joy. That absolutely is it. I would say while my kids are at camp, what I'm doing is recreating the space for wellness and well-being. Oh, wonderful. Because and I'm 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 wedging that in and that brings me joy. Mm-hmm. You know, exercise brings me joy if it's the Peloton or mm-hmm. if it's running, if it's stretching. Mm-hmm. It brings me joy. Um, It's after the kids, of course, but without the kids being here, making room to feel healthy and well, to eat well and eat clean. So making the time to do that has been what I'm, that's what I've been focused on this summer is restoring my wellness Mm -hmm. physically and mentally, which I lost a bit during COVID and I didn't have access. Sure. I didn't wedge it in, in the way I should have. And, but it's interesting because I've been hearing so many thought pieces around how women were always saying what we should do instead of just appreciating that life happens. And what I'm taking away from what you're what you're sharing with me is that your family is a one priority. And at that time, you did what you were supposed to be doing, which is. Important. And I'm so at peace with it. Yes. You know, um, in the different parts of learning journeys, I've given myself such grace, no yes. regret, yes. but clarifying what's commit, what I was catching myself in saying is I didn't have time for wellness. And I don't ever like that. I don't have time. I just don't believe it. Mm-hmm. I believe not in time, but in energy. And I believe in focusing your energy on what's important. Yes. So it was that wellness was a lower priority. Mm-hmm. That type of wellness was a lower priority. And the creativity I needed to demonstrate when my gym was closed mm-hmm. and all the circumstances we had to work around, yes. making sure my kids were taken care of, the commitments I had to the community, the commitments I had to work, of course, all the other things I was committed to. It just took a back seat and I've given myself grace. I have no, I don't, in their times I haven't. And I'm like, how could I have done this? So everything you're saying 
is right, Joy. Everything you're saying is right on. I have no, I should have. Good. Where I am now, what I'm choosing to do and using this moment where my children are away at camp Mm -hmm. to reestablish a wellness routine. Oh, that's wonderful. And you know, since you're part of the Peloton community, I have to ask you, which ride is, has been your favorite so far? Um, I don't have a one favorite, but I love Hamilton. Okay. <laughs> so I love Allie Loves Black History Month uh-huh. ride where she does Broadway. Uh-huh. That's one I go to a lot. One I just did with Robin, mm-hmm. which was a hip hop ride. But it was an old school hip hop ride. It's a 45 minute ride. I think she did it July 21st. Uh-huh. Amazing. But, it, you know, I'm old. So it's old. School. It took me back. You know, do the Humpty, yeah. like at all these old school. And I'm like, oh, in my old school ride. But there's so many. Yes. You know, I like Alex. I like um, Allie Love. I like Robin. So um, and so I hit my five week streak. Oh, uh, wow. you know, they give you these little streaks. So it's not like That's I'm awesome. a diehard years, a thousand rides, two thousand rides. I'm like, using that to just establish some regular routine and the exactly. longest days of streaks I've gotten are three. But again, it's all good. I'm like, you know, I'm all good. I'm getting in. I'm getting there when I can. I can go from a 10 minute ride, 20 minute ride, 45 minute ride. Mm-hmm. It's all good. And you listen, you hit a new personal record. Yeah. And I'm good. I mean, you know, like I said, there's so many goals in life mm-hmm. and I've had to give myself some separation from creating goals and everything Mm because back to this infinite self, just being, I'm riding because I want the experience of wellness. And there are times, you know, I can be super fit. I used to teach aerobics. Oh, wow. Done triathlons and gone through the extreme fitness. There's always a goal to obsess over. And that's not the space that I'm in now. I'm in the, not for physically, I want to look this goal I want to accomplish. I want a healthy and well lifestyle. I want to feel good. I want to feel active. And that's why I'm spinning, right? Good. Good. No, that's awesome. And, you know, this is a great segue as you're thinking about being and and making room for the health and wellness at this point, in addition to, of course, loving on your your family and loved ones. If you could go back in time and talk to your 18-year-old self about mentally nourishing yourself, what would you tell her? I would say give yourself grace. Mm-hmm. You know, when I think back to 18... You know, wow, that is so long ago. You know, my um, my story has been one of finding my voice, mm. claiming my voice, mm-hmm. and then using my voice for good. And when I was 18, I was still finding my voice. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't until my late 20s, early 30s where I claimed it. Yes. And it really was probably more in my 40s where I was really committed to using my voice for good. Once I claimed it, I started using it for good, but it was more, I saw the impact that it could have. It wasn't as intentional. Mm -hmm. So it was more in my mid forties. It was really like what I'm about now is using my platform for good. That is, so my 18 year old self, Uh I would say, give yourself grace, give yourself space. It is a journey. There's no rush to it. It's all good. You're good. You're good. There's nothing broken that you need to fix. 
And I think at 18, I was still trying to get it right, do it right. You know, and the pain and the stress. And the other thing I would say is it's okay to say no. And I am still learning that. And I wish I'd learned it early, that is earlier, so because I am a yes person. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. That's positive in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Say yes to opportunity. The same time, say no. Yes. Say no if it's not filling you up. Say no. Don't do things out of obligation. And so a lot of times I do things, you know, I'm trying to give myself space from doing things because I think I should, or it's just easier if I do it than not do it. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I can totally understand and learning that no is a complete sentence. So I can, I can relate to you. (laughs) I can totally relate to you there. Mm -hmm. And so one question I always like to ask all of our guests as we wrap up um, today's session is about seasons. And you've talked about different phases, particularly, you know, your 18-year-old self, you know, you would tell her to have grace with herself. And as you reflect on this specific season of your life and you're thinking about how your children bring you joy and and how you're making space for health and wellness, what is the one thing that you say just absolutely is lighting you up when you think about it? In addition to, of course, your children and your health and wellness practice. What what just absolutely lights you up? I talked about my energy domains. Mm-hmm. And all six of those are important, but I think I'm in this space of this, of the domain, heart, soul, and whole. Mm. And it's what I mentioned about the infinite self. Yes. That's the, you know, that's the joy. The joy is in the peace. It's, you know, the, the spiritual retreat. It's the absolute comfort in my own skin and where I am is okay. And the peace to be guided to what's next, not as a doing, but the next opportunity for being. And you asked and what's bringing me joy. Mm -hmm. It's the possibility and reflection of heart, soul, and whole. Oh, wonderful. Well, I am excited for you in this, in this next phase as you have clearly um, taking uh, taking time to reflect on the different phases of surviving and thriving and and being and making time for um, heart and home um, and also I love the sixth domain so we're definitely gonna dive into that again at some point in time but um, I would love for you to share how can people connect with you uh, online AC. Um, there are lots of ways, you know, I'm on Instagram, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn, you know, um, LinkedIn, I'm E.E. Bracy. Mm-hmm. you know, on IG, I'm also E.E. Bracy. So I'm very easy to find online. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for sp- spending time with us uh, today on the Joyfully Black podcast and look forward to connecting with you again. Wonderful. Thank you for having me, Joy. We are so delighted that AC Bracy joined us today on the Joyfully Black Podcast. She dropped so many gems about being open to the possibilities. And so we'd love to hear from you. What possibilities are you leaving yourself open to? What wonders are you planning to say yes to this year? Please be sure to stay in touch with us 
on Instagram at joyfully black. That's joyfully BLK. That's at joyfully black. That's BLK. You can also find us on our website, www.joyfullyblack.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe, leave a review, five-star review, and of course, tell a friend. Until next week, stay in the black, y'all.